Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Jim, this is Jim. How can I help you? Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Hey, Jim, listen, uh, I've got an investment opportunity up here in Saxe. We're looking at a home to invest in and then uh, turn around, do some upgrades, and um, uh, turn around and made it, make it a rental property for some residual income. If you were going to go in with that in mind, is there particular upgrades that you would yeah, do, do that first? That takes priority, and then based upon your budget, we'll do those secondary. Are there what, What's the first one that you have to hit? Well, the, the big thing is you got to have it really done before you start trying to rent it out because that really will affect what you get for a tenant and how they'll take care of it but first thing is you got to keep them weathered in you know if you got anything that's leaking like a roof or something that's got to be fixed uh cosmetic wise if you got a serious foundation problem that needs to be done now if it's minor a lot of times that can wait and and i'm a guy in foundation repair so i'd love to see you get it fixed right away but uh like I said, you want to make sure that it's a minor problem that you do preventative maintenance to keep it from getting worse. Then eye candy. People buy and rent what they see. So make sure all your paint's good, the windows are clean, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, you won't have issues with it. Now, yeah. Here's, yeah. A, here's a rule of thumb also. If you're buying an older home, and by that I mean anything that's, say, uh, from the 70s or earlier, make sure you do a static test on the sewer system, especially if it has uh, old cast iron pipes because they uh-huh. are notorious for leaking, and that's expensive to have replaced. You'd want to figure that into the cost. Okay. Yeah, this this one was built in 79. You're going to be PVC, so it, there's possible to have a leak. Or some bellies, but it's usually not a major deal to do any repairs that need to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we uh, we we did the we did we I've already invested a little bit in the foundation of this one, and uh, of course, you know, going back, the company's out of business. You can't find them. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, big, that's, that's a big problem. Yeah, yep. it sure is. Uh, I, I wish I'd have did a little bit more research about how long you've been in business and where you're going to be when, you know, this job's finished. But uh, oh, anyway, yeah. but my but but my main concern was okay. Do I go in there and gut the bathrooms, gut the kitchen, do, no, replace not the on, windows? Not on a rental. Just just keep them up. No. Just keep them updated. Yeah. 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 You know, don't don't gut them. Just just keep them. You know, nice and clean and. Uh, good appliances, but new cabinets doesn't bring you an extra nickel in rental. At the end of the day, it's just to wash it. Yep. All right. And with that, well, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hey, look, enjoy the show. John, how are you today? I'm doing good, Jim. I have a question on roofing. Okay. I have a, uh, I have 30 years <clears throat> L-Pristy 1 shingles on my house. Uh-huh. Realistically, how many years do you think these shingles will last? Realistically, a 30-year roof in Houston, you're normally going to get something around 20 years or so. Okay. 
So about 20 years, you should go ahead and replace it, even though no. there's no sign. If there's no signs of problems, you just leave it. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of different things that play into how long a roof is going to last. You know, how many trees are mm -hmm. around it, uh, what's dropping onto the roof. Because if you leave, mm -hmm. if you get leaves and stuff that drop on it and you leave it there, that actually shortens the life of the roof, which direction it faces. Mm -hmm. So here's when you need to start looking at replacing it. If we don't have a storm that comes through and tears it up, what you're watching for is when the edges of the shingle start to curl up, it's time to start looking at replacing it. Mm -hmm. other, other than that, if it's not leaking, don't mess with it. Yeah, I have, uh, it's, it's 20 years already on, on my house, and I don't have any trees, leaves dropping on it. Um, I don't have any leaks or anything. Yeah, so you, on, you, you may get 25 to 30 years out of it. So, uh, you know, I believe in replacing a roof just as soon as it needs to be, but uh, if it's not mm -hmm. leaking, it's not curling up and, and all that, mm -hmm. leave it alone. There's no reason to replace okay. it yet. Okay. Uh, one other question is that when it's time for me to replace, yeah, uh, do you replace the the flashings, um, or do you yes. leave the flashing along? Now go ahead and replace that at the same time. Mm -hmm. What about the ridge fan? Absolutely. Er, er, okay. Everything on the everything on the roof, the the flashing ridge fans, uh, the boots for the the uh, vent pipes, all that. Mm -hmm. uh, given the age of the roof, all that should be replaced mm -hmm. when when it's replaced. Mm -hmm. Okay. One last question is that uh, I believe that all the roofing companies, they don't usually have people on their payroll, right? They use, you know, subcontractors or they, you know, hire people to do the work and then they're not really on their payroll. Is that is that correct or not? Well, it depends on the company. I mean, some of them have some guys that are on their payroll full time that are their people, uh, and then mm -hmm. they they do use subs for additional crews. But um, mm -hmm. you know, some of them are using subs for all the the work. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Thank you, Jim. You bet. Take care. Bye bye. And and that's just, especially in the roofing industry, that's just the way it is. The the roof installers, that's all they do, but they have to be where they can work every day. And so a lot of them bounce between contractors. They're not necessarily working for the same contractor every day. Uh, if they were, then they'd have to be classed as employees. Okay, when we left, we were talking with Mike. And, uh, Mike, you got several things, roof, gutters, cracks in the walls, cabinets that you want to either replace or have refaced. And here's where I would begin. You've already had the foundation work done. They verified that everything is still within tolerance. If you need a roof because it's leaking or anything, that should be first because you've got to keep the structure dry. If you start letting it get wet, everything will deteriorate rapidly. Your gutters can be done at the same time that the roof is being done. In fact, a lot of uh, roofing contractors have gutter companies that they work with hand-in-hand -hand to do that. So those two can be combined. Once you move inside, you'll want to do all your uh, 
crack repairs and stuff prior to doing the cabinetry work. But you're going to need to make a decision if you're going to replace the cabinets or reface them. And I say that because if you replace the cabinets, they may not be the exact same size. And therefore, some of the edges may have to be worked on. And that can be done at the same time that you're doing the sheetrock work. So again, those two would somewhat go hand in hand uh, with being done at the same time. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. All right. Good deal. Uh, as All far right, well, as I appreciate it. as far as you know, whether to hire a general contractor or not, honestly, yeah. uh, for for the work that you're looking at having done, I personally would probably, if you've got the time to make the phone calls and meet with the guys, I personally would tell you mm-hmm. handle it yourself. You'll save a few bucks. Okay. Now here's the things okay. that you want to make sure you get from the contractors though that come out and work on it. Make sure that they have general liability insurance and that you get a copy of it. And, you know, check out their references and how long they've been in business and stuff like that. You know, the average contractor is out of business in their first five years. Huh. Wow. Yep. So if you get one who's only been in business for three, you you want to be leery about whether to use them or not. Okay, okay, time in, good deal. Yeah, I didn't know if, you know, using a GC, they would be able to, to work with. I mean, I've never had to do that. It's always been one-off, so I didn't know if they'd negotiate better or, you know. So it, it's really just a matter of convenience, really. So I want to yep, that to you. that's really what, uh, on, on, the, on the items that you are describing here, that's really what it comes down to is just a convenience. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Have a good weekend. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Going to Sugarland first. Jim, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. i got a question for you on foundations. Uh, i got a 20-year-old house, post-tension slab, uh, two stories, about 3,300 square feet. And I'm starting to see some uh, cracks in the sheetrock on the ceiling, mainly along the seams where the tape work is done. And I'm seeing some some small cracks in the ceramic tile, too, in the same area of the house. Uh, and I look outside, and I'm not seeing any obvious signs of any uh, movement there. No cracked bricks, no uh, no cracks in the side of the slab or things like that. So just, uh, just a curiosity if that could be an early indication of some uh, foundation issues, if I should have that inspected, and uh, if I should have that done before I do any work to, uh, to paint and take care of the uh, tiles. Usually that's not an indication of foundation movement. Uh, the fact that the sheetrock is on the ceiling and following joints is usually an indication of mm, they just didn't do a great tape and float job. Um, the Typically, if you're going to have sheetrock damage from foundation movement, it's going to be diagonal cracks above doors and windows doors going out of alignment and at the same time you would see the diagonal cracks in the brick veneer outside as well so doesn't sound like you're having a foundation movement issue i know you you mentioned the tile uh that's not that unusual especially when a a house gets to your age to have some of the tiles start cracking Uh, remember all concrete cracks by nature as it expands and contracts uh, with temperature and moisture changes 
the tile expands and contracts at a different rate and it will actually start to crack as it ages that way so uh, again i don't it doesn't sound like foundation movement nothing i don't think it's anything to get overly worried about yeah, so I'm going to have some work done on the inside, too, replacing the floors and repainting the whole house out of an abundance of caution. Should I have that checked out before I do that work or just oh, not sure. worry about it? No, you can call Due West. We, we check them out all the time. Uh, the number okay. is 713-473-7156. Now, we may tell you about some maintenance issues to make sure that you don't have a problem because... Most homeowners don't start noticing the problem until the house is about 18 years old. So you're right in the right age group. Okay, so it's probably time to have inspection done anyway. So okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. I appreciate that. Thanks for you your bet. help. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Hello, Joel. How are you? Oh, great. Hey, listen. I want your your opinion, your wisdom on sear ratings of house air conditioners. Okay. S-E-R-R, yeah. Which is the most cost-effective uh, SEER rating for the Rosenberg area? Well, by cost-effective, I'm assuming you're talking about w- the cost of energy versus what you have to pay to make it more energy efficient, correct? Right, because <clears throat> as you know, as the SEER the rating goes up, the price yep. goes up. Absolutely. Oh, okay. The sweet spot is 18 16 to 18 sear right now. Uh, okay. You can get a more energy efficient, you know, by going to a 21 sear unit, but the cost jump is so much you never save enough to offset the cost of the yeah. unit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I was asking. So 16 to 18 is great for this area. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, I will tell you, if you're looking at ways to make it more energy efficient and still hold the cost down a little bit, that 16 to 18 sear, and start looking at your variable speed units. Instead of stepping up to a higher sear rating, which most of the higher sear are going to be variable speed, but if you get a uh, like an 18 sear with a variable speed, uh, you've got a very, very energy efficient system then. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds All good. Right. Thank you. Take care. Okay. And, and, and just for everybody listening, what that variable speed does is uh, it keeps the air conditioner running longer at a slower speed. So you're still moving air, still dehumidifying and doing everything. And, you know, the hardest thing on your air conditioner is when it starts and stops. By staying running, you're putting less wear and tear on it. But here's the kicker part. The government requires them to rate it as though it's running full blast all the time. So if you take an 18 sear air conditioning, for example, and you have a variable speed on it, or just a two-stage even, but we'll, we'll talk variable speed here. Uh, when it is running at that very slow speed, the combination of that unit could put it as high as you know 25 uh, and, and even higher into, into a pushing 30 sear rating but they have to rate it as though it's at maximum power. A lot of times they're stepping down and only using 60-70% and even less than that on a variable speed. I'm talking a two-stage there. So truthfully, 18-sear, variable speed, that is the sweet spot on air conditioners right now. 
Bruce, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. Um, so I have a stamped concrete patio, and there's a circular half wall around a fire pit, and the patio is moving with the moisture in the soil, and it's cracked the rock on the wall. And um, should I try to do something to stabilize the slab before I repair the rock, or what would you recommend? Yes. Uh, and normally, you know, if it's just a seasonal movement up and down like that, just keeping it moist all the time will stabilize it. You can do your repairs and, and not have to worry about it for years and years and years. Most foundation problems are caused by the unstable soil. It dries out, it shrinks, it gets wet, it expands again. Well, it's impossible to keep it shrunk all the time, but you can keep it moist and keep it expanded. And that's where the soaker hoses and drip irrigation systems and stuff like that come into play. Yeah, I do have just normal um, lawn sprinklers on that part of the lawn, so I need to do like more water than the normal irrigation system is going to put in. Yeah, because a, a normal irrigation system is designed to water three inches deep. That's it. A drip irrigation system or the soaker hoses, when you put them in for around a foundation, are designed to let the moisture soak in five, six, seven feet. And that's what keeps the soil expanded. Okay. That sounds like a, a solution. Thank you. Okie doke. Take care, Bruce. Mm, bye. Bye. And, you know, when watering a foundation, the, the most critical thing is to give it a little bit of moisture on a daily basis. And what I typically tell people, if you're using soaker hoses, start them twice a day, 15 minutes each time. Make sure you have a pressure regulator on it because if you run full city pressure, you're going to get a lot of water at the beginning of the hose and nothing at the end. By dropping that pressure down to 15, 20 PSI, it'll balance out and you'll get even water dispersal. So give that a try. Joe, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I'm a homeowner, but I know little or nothing about taking care of the things in and around the home. So that's why I'm calling you. It's okay. The uh, driveway, driveway side of the house, it's been there 50 years, and, and it sure looks like it. I'm just trying to get any suggestions on when is a good time or not a good time to put in a driveway, uh, anything when it comes to working on it or making sure that it doesn't crack up because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, anything along those lines sure would help me out. Okay. And when you say it looks like it, is it is it cracked up and breaking or what? It is cra- it is cracked up and down the driveway. Okay. Uh, on one side, there's holes. There's rebar coming out. Uh, don't ask me why I'm doing something like this or trying to this time of the year. It may be the wrong time and have to oh, wait no. wait three or four months to even get started. No. Now, are you going to do this yourself or are you going to have it done? No, I'm I'm definitely going to have it done by somebody else. Okay. Here's the specs then that you want to go with. Uh, The concrete strength you're going to want is minimum of 3,000 PSI. Okay. You don't want wire mesh. You want rebar, number three. Okay. And you want it on 12-inch centers. Okay. Okay. 
which means they're going to put it in both directions so, so it looks like a checkerboard basically okay uh, and then that should be on chairs that puts it in the middle of the concrete your concrete's going to be four inches thick i'm sorry i couldn't hear you uh your concrete you want four inches thick and then on the edges uh i typically like to dig a little trench on the edge it takes it down into the ground a little bit further so that if water starts running along the edge or anything it doesn't just wash out under the concrete so that's just that's on a case-by-case -case basis depends on you know if the concrete's recessed into the ground or not okay now expansion joints is one of the things that a lot of times are missed how big a driveway are we talking about uh, I it's just going up and down, it's up and down the driveway. If you're talking about that, maybe I don't know, 12, 14 feet. But then, it, when you come up up the driveway and turn, make a turn into the into into the back at the house. I don't know. That's 12, 14, 16 okay. feet. And that's just a guess. Okay. Uh, well, we might be talking a different language. You you know what you're doing, and I'm just guessing. No, that's okay. Uh, the length of a car, you can figure, is typically 20 feet. Okay. And so typically every 20 feet, you'd like an expansion joint in the concrete. And what that does is that helps control where cracking is going to take place. Okay. Uh, because all concrete is going to crack by nature. It expands and contracts with temperature and moisture changes. KRLD. And the, uh, the expansion joints... Are, are what will help to control, make sure you don't have major cracking in the new concrete then down the road. Uh, as far as time of year, there there is no good or bad time of year. You know, a lot of times people get nervous if it starts raining after concrete's been poured. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's actually a good thing because it slows the curing time and minimizes cracking. When it's extremely hot out, uh, mm -hmm. the concrete can dry too fast. And that, that actually can give you some hairline cracks in it. Vice versa, if it's freezing out, the liquid in the concrete can freeze and, and cause issues. But the temperatures that we typically have, it, it's usually not an issue to worry about. Richard in Crosby, how are you doing today? Oh, very good, thank you. So my house flooded in Imelda, and um, I've cleaned up uh, the majority of all the debris from the from the drywall that was removed. And um, my next thing I want to do is test for mold. Um, and I've ordered the kit, but I haven't received it. But my question is, is there any advice or anything I need to know uh, before I run it? I don't think there's mold in the house. I don't see any. But, you know, I'm, I'm just want to know if I'm... Paranoid. Right. Right. Don't be paranoid. Uh, if you, how much water did you get in? Uh, about six inches. Okay. Did you 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 got the sheetrock that got wet off? You got the insulation out that got wet, right? Yes. Okay. If you get everything dried up, and you got all the water out, you got the air conditioning system still going to keep it dehumidified. Yes. Uh, your chances of having to worry about mold are slim to none. So there really is nothing else you need to do. I'm going to tell you up front, though, when you run that test, 
you know, they have you do a sample from outside and a sample from inside. Mm-hmm. Almost always, your inside sample is going to have a higher mold content than outside. That's going to be normal. So when that comes back, don't don't get overly alarmed with it. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I really don't think you're going to have an issue. Uh, you know, once once you get it where the air conditioning system is doing what it needs to do, things things go fine. Fantastic. I, I did put dehumidifiers in there as well. So, and I can tell that they're collecting less water. So, um, that I was telling me that it's pretty much removed the majority of humidity. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's doing what it what it needs to. Uh, you know, where where people run into problem with mold is when you have a steady moisture source and the mold can grow. If you get everything out that's wet, and you've got it where it's drying out. Mold has to have a moisture source, so you sh- you should be fine. Great, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, all right, Richard, good luck with that. All right, bye bye, bye bye. Uh, and there was a lot of people who who flooded and stuff. It 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 is a problem, but uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Again, don't don't get overly concerned on on the molds and stuff. I've been watering my foundation, but there's a concrete driveway on the side and a concrete patio at the back door in the way. Can I water those two spots without putting the hose right against the foundation? Absolutely. When you come to spots like that, and this is from Willie, uh, when you come to any concrete, whether it's a patio, driveway, sidewalks, that are up against the house foundation, just go around them as though they're part of the foundation. Uh, That goes for pool decks and stuff as well because the watering will keep the soils hydrated and maintain those flat work, but they also act as moisture barriers. They keep the sun from beating on the soil and taking all the moisture out of it. So yes, just go around them as you would uh, as they were part of the foundation. And, And just for everybody, because winter's coming, a lot of people stop watering their foundations. You need to be watering year-round. Because in the summer months, you're making up. I'm saying the summer months. In the winter months, you're making up for all the dry weather we had in the summer and getting the soil ready for next summer. Uh, what you're trying to do by watering the foundation, our soils, when they dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand again, not as much as they were the time before. So each time you go through that cycle, you lose a little bit, and that's where you get a lot of foundation settlement. By keeping it watered, you're minimizing that cycle of the up and down, and therefore minimizing any damage that you may have got. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.